0: We would like to begin by acknowledging the traditional owners of the land in which we record this podcast today, the Arakwal people of the Bunjalong Nation, and pay our respects to Elders past and present.
1: Hello, Hello yummy, yummy Mummies. Welcome to Beyond the Bump, a podcast brought to you by Jade Caldwell and Sophie Pierce.
0: This podcast is targeted at mums, mums mums-to-be and women in general. And gents, feel free to have a listen too. It's a place to have real discussions and ask real questions, no matter how hard, with honest and authentic people. The aim is to have you feeling lighter, more supported and more understood after every listen.
1: Now we can't promise that it will always be kept PG, so please be mindful around little ears. Here Here we we go. go.
0: Hello Jade. Hello Sophie and everybody listening. How are you? Now in true beyond the bump form I don't have a lot to report but I feel like you've got a fair bit to report. So
1: the floor is yours. Mic drop. Yeah look let's just start off with I had a ripper day the other week, last week. And (laughs) I went into a fight or flight experience that lasted from the morning all the way until the next day. So just so people who don't follow me on Instagram, I'll tell you here and explain it. I was... Coming back from dropping the kids off at school. And I have a problem with my odometer where the petrol gauge doesn't work because rats have eaten the wires. (laughs) So, what I have to do is I have to reset the odometer to know what my limit is to refuel. That in itself is a lot. Wow. Anyway, so sometimes when Harry fills it up, he doesn't do that. And I go, oh shit, anyway. I'll reset it now. So look, sometimes it's out of. It's not actually like to the point. Even if you did it perfectly, that's not to the point. <laughs> that's true. Anyway, this is a flawed system. Even when is. perfect, and it's not a good system to have. Anyway, so I was literally rolling with this system, and for I was, some reason, I'm drawing <laughs> parallels in my mind
0: to like pulling out. Like it's a flawed <laughs> system. It is. It is. A, it
1: is exactly like that. And just like I got pearl, you broke down. <laughs> <laughs> so I was about to literally go onto the M1 and my car just stops. It conks out. And I'm like, in that instant, I panicked, not because of what just happened, because I I was okay, but I just instantly thought what could have happened? What could have actually happened? happened if I went on to the M1. If I was hooking cause I was running late, I would have gone on to the right hand lane, I would have conked out, I could have stacked up heaps of cars. If I had the kids in the car, like imagine what would have happened. And my brain instantly just went, oh my God, catastrophe. I called Sophie and I said, I'm going to be late. She's like, are you still in the car and have you got your acid lights on? I'm like, I've put the hazards on, but I'm still in the car. And she's like, well, maybe get out of the car. So I got out of the car. So I was processing that. Harry came to the rescue, put fuel in the car. Love ya. Good on ya. (laughs) Came back, rattled, but kind of joking about it because i was like oh let's laugh it off and then we were recording and my mother-in-law was out near the duck area and she was yelling out while we were recording i'm like what are you doing crazy like we're we're recording in here and she wouldn't stop and there was a brown snake so brown snakes like i can do a lot of snakes oh But (laughs) I cannot do a brown snake. That is pretty much life or death right now where we are. And um, we jumped out, panicked about that. And then in the next five or so minutes, we look over and just over our acreage is a massive bushfire. It genuinely looked like it was in in our bush. And... That in itself, I think it has PTSD to do with the floods. I think something so extreme with natural disaster triggers the fuck out of me. And I think it triggers a lot of people, but it's just, it's been a lot in the past few years and this summer is going to be brutal. And I panicked. So there was a lot going on. And by this stage, I was just in a really bad state. I took a Valium. It did nothing. I went to pick up the kids with Harry and I saw someone standing on the roof of a pub. And I said to Harry, oh my God, Harry, that guy's going to jump. What's he doing on the roof? And he stopped and put his hand on my lap and he said, Jade, he's cleaning out the gutters because mm. there's fires. So everywhere I looked, there was a catastrophe. Like I, I could not see any level headed situation at all. Everything was fight or flight. Anyway, just to top it off, because I thought, oh, you know, that's not enough. We go and get dinner. I come back out of the supermarket and this little kid honks the horn of a car and I look in and he's... Screaming his eyes out, he looks really, really hot, and I'm assuming he's three-ish. I don't know he's I don't know his age, and all these people started crowding around, going, "Where's the mum?" Like he's locked in the car with the windows up, no aircon on, and alone and crying. So we were trying to ask him, "Can you open the door?" And he was really stressed. That's when he was saying, "I can't get out. I can't. I don't know Anyway, luckily the back door randomly was open got him out and he went to run. And I said, can you just tell me your name? And he said, my name's blah, blah. And when we walked in, I went to go to the speaker so they could say, hey, there's a missing child or whatever. And he sees his mum and whacks her hysterical. And I said, oh, hi, sorry. Your son was in the car. And she goes, is that, was that you beeping? to you. That's the thing she says straight away. Was it me beeping as if to say, hey, your child's in the car, come out. I said, no, it's actually, it was your child beeping and he was so distressed and he was hyperventilating in the car with the windows up. I said, also, there are a lot of people outside really disheveled with what's just happened. And when I got back in the car, I I pretty much, like shared this on Instagram throughout the day and looking back on it now, I could see I was in a high state of anxiety because even my breathing with these stories, it's very obvious now that I was extremely anxious and, and rattled. But a lot of people said to me, you know, you should have reported it. That is not okay. And absolutely in the right state of mind. Yeah. There were probably a lot of things that I would have said and done. However, I just had to get out of there because I couldn't even believe that was even happening after the day I had. So I'm not going to say any more about my highs and lows for the week because that in itself was an anxiety ball. And I do want to say one high is that I, the next day, which I'm really proud of, I said to Sophie, I am resetting my nervous system. The phone's going off and I am going to do everything in my power to just settle myself. And I had a lot of thoughts going through my head. Oh, you could just do this now that you feel better. Oh, you've got to call Optus, blah, blah, blah. And every single time I had a thought, I just said, no, you not today, just not today. And that I think 12 full hours, I then started to feel better. But um yes, that was wild. And do you feel like you're back to normal now? No, I'm still not back to normal now. And I'm going to be honest with everyone, which is hard for me to say. And I'm, I might cry. I'm not, I might not. I have felt lately. And I think because I've gotten past my birthday and I was like, wow, I've made it past my birthday. I'm not in a little depressed spiral. I feel like all of that pressure has kind of like sat in my lap now Mm -hmm. and I'm I'm not fighting it. I'm simply realizing that this is a bit of a hard time for me and I do need to slow down and I'm not feeling depressed. I am feeling really, really anxious and I will be fine because I'm now learning that I enjoy the downtime so that's okay and if I do have downtime it won't lead into depression but it is a very uncomfortable feeling when you feel like you you know you haven't you haven't had it for a really long time
0: yeah like the fear of
1: it it's just i my body is just really like i just feel panicked I feel panicked a lot and, um, yeah, anyway, it's just, it's going through the motions and that's okay. And I'm allowed to feel like this, but it doesn't yeah, make matter want you, I
0: feel like, I feel like because you got over that hump of your birthday and you had, you know, the pressure of the weekend of festivities and, And yeah, you're you're not, you're not a failure if you're not feeling a hundred percent. Like this is, this is how your illness does its thing. And so to not be feeling a hundred percent is, is not a failing on your part. And I do feel like you've really been trying to hide that you're fine and I I guess this is a funny story because we laughed at it but I knew you weren't fine this morning because letting you in on a little something I drove into Jade's driveway this morning as she was driving out and she didn't see me at all and I called her and I said where are you going and she goes Oh, I've fucked up, haven't I? And I said, <laughs> why, what? And she goes, Mia just said, hey, mum, that was Sophie driving in. And I said, no, it wasn't Sophie. And she goes, I thought we were working tomorrow. <laughs> and in my mind, I was like, I know that, like, I would use fully on it. your game. You don't yeah. do that.
1: Yeah. But that is, you know to my credit, I was actually really cruisy today. I had the house done. The girls were in a good mood. We stopped to see a little snake that wasn't a brown and I was on my way to yoga. And I think that's what actually put me in a spiral because I sat and thought how the fuck could I, like how could I miss that? That's what rattles me. How how can I miss something so big? I swear I even checked my phone. Like I said to my mum on the weekend, oh, if you end up doing that on Monday, I'll come with you. Like it was so entrenched that I had Monday off that I just didn't think. Anyway, regardless of what I did and didn't do, it didn't make me feel good that I forgot that we were working. But saying that, I am here. You're fine. You're here. It's all good. You can go to yoga later. Yeah. But,
0: yeah. Lucky we weren't coming to my house, but that's fine. We're going to yoga. <laughs> Fucking hell. But, no, we. I, I think I speak for all the listeners as well that, you know, we, we want you to take it easy, take it slow, stop being hard on yourself. None of this is your fault. Mm. It's not a failing if you're not 100%. Yeah. We love you, whether you've got seasonal depression or not. But I know it's an awful it was feeling. Supposed to be in September, and I can Im- no, but I imagine that all like I imagine one of the worst parts of seasonal depression is the anticipation of it
1: coming. Well, I, I thought I so missed it. You might have, and I think maybe with the medication that I'm on, it's it's making it not as intense. Mm. Like maybe it's not getting to that point. Which thank fuck we might need to up this, <laughs> but yeah, it's just. It's an interesting, I don't have any words really. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just, yeah. Anyway, and sending love to anyone else who's struggling, but
0: we will Mm. get into today's episode. Yeah. Um, I'm happy to take the floor now. Please do. If you want to have a free. What is today's episode? (laughs) Who are we? Uh, No, today's episode was such an important one for me because it's all about parental preference and I've spoken Ah, a fair bit about how this affects my life and Jade shares how it affects her life as well. And we spoke to the beautiful Emily from The Playful Psychologist. Uh, She's a child psychologist and we chatted all about why this happens and what it means. Mm. And just before we head in, I'm going to do one Rudolph Fabulous because I really had a giggle when I read this one this week. It said, hey, girls, I wrote in a couple of years ago, 2021 to be exact. At the time, my now four-year-old was in preschool and she asked me to play the Yummy Mummy song. Well, last night I could hear her in the shower mumbling and she said the entire intro to the podcast. Oh safe to say I'm still an avid weekly listener. So I've put in a request and I've said, you know, just voice record her. We don't need a video of it, but can you voice record her reciting the intro? Because that is, I don't even know if I could recite the intro, but yeah, that was brilliant. So you've got a four-year-old that's a big fan. I hope that makes you feel better. Oh my gosh. And we hope you all enjoy this episode. Enjoy. Emily, welcome back to Beyond the Bump. For those who have not heard one of your episodes with us before or haven't come across you on social media before, can you tell us a little bit about yourself?
2: Thanks so much for having me. So good to be back. So basically, my name is Emily. I am a child and adolescent clinical psychologist based in Sydney. And I also run a business called The Playful Psychologist, which is kind of where I share... Lots of tips, tricks, strategies, and resources for parents and clinicians and teachers, anyone really who has anything to do with kids.
0: Now, Jade and I, I don't know if excited is the right word, but we are, uh, yeah, we are pumped. happy to see you. Happy, very happy to see you. We're like, help, <laughs> SOS. This is actually, we're going to be chatting about parental preference today. Now, anyone who has tuned into the podcast before knows that this is something that I have been dealing with since the birth of our third daughter. And I don't think Jade has spoken much about her experience on the podcast, but you've got your own experience with this.
1: And funnily enough, it's actually reared its head this year and it is with my third child, so I'm not sure if it's got to do with the third children. No, I'm sure it's with a lot of other things, and that's why we've got you on today. Mm. But we both have different stories and different ends of this conversation that mm. we want to share because I think both of us are struggling in separate departments, and, yeah, it's really it, it's really sad. Yeah, so mine
0: is my second child has always been very Her and my husband have always had a really close relationship and Mm -hmm. then I'm assuming this is what has caused it to escalate is I had hyperemesis when I was pregnant with all but you know more recently my third child and then obviously have been in that newborn kind of bubble with my third child where my husband was definitely lent on by the kids more. And this has developed a really strong parental preference towards Nick from Goldie. And, you know, sometimes I can just brush it off and go, you know what, that's to be expected, like XYZ has led to this. And then other times, you know, and we'll get into the specific examples, but I guess so often it will be bedtime and you're already tired and you're just, you're just ready to call it a day. And then suddenly you have this child yelling at you saying, I don't want you. I want daddy. And you try and remind yourself, it's, it, you know, they're just a kid. They don't mean it, but it breaks your heart. And I think one thing I found. Extra difficult about it is I think that so often when you hear about parental preference in a family that has a mother and a father, and especially I think if it's, you know, the the father is working and the mum is more of the primary caregiver, you so often hear about this parental preference towards the mother. And so I was thinking, Mm -hmm. what the hell have I done wrong that she has such a preference towards her dad? But it's interesting because we put out a question sticker to our beautiful listeners to send stuff in. I think 50% of them were preference towards the mother and 50% of them were preference towards the father in all different ways of like, you know, mum returning to work or dad being at work, but he's the fun one when he gets home or whatever. But there was this shared feeling, I think often when it was the dad, that was the preference that the mum
1: had somehow failed. What's your situation? So before we get into it, my situation is that, my husband took on the role of being the, well, 50-50, but also he's around a lot. So he can take care of them if they need to. They, he can pretty much do everything I can do except a really good plait. And, <laughs> <laughs> and I feel like for me, no matter what I do, no matter where I am, and I, I, I thought it was down to gender, all three kids demand me at any minute, at any time, always. And last night, it, it reached a real pivotal moment and it put my middle child in tears. It put myself in tears. It put Yumi in tears. My husband felt absolutely useless. And it's just been a really, really hard time this year because what happens is from the moment I wake up and open my eyes to the moment I go to sleep. And if anyone wants me throughout the night, the only person that they ask for is me. So it is me that makes yeah. the toast. its It doesn't matter if they want certain things like, you know, obviously he will make breakfast and take them to school, but they really want me yeah. to. They will always ask if I can do it. And last night, Yumi had this mega meltdown, which we did work out that She was asleep. We woke her up to say, Let's have a bath because we thought we were doing the right thing. But her eyes were open and she was really distraught. In this moment, though, Mm. she only wanted me. She was actually pushing dad away. And even on me, she was screaming. And as a parent, that even though they want you, Mm. I feel useless myself because I just feel like every time I'm the one getting asked to do something, whether it's right or wrong, I feel like I'm not good enough. Mm. And I know that we talk on the podcast about always, you know, not being perfect and good enough, but when it gets to a point at the end of the day and you're trying to have a bath or you're trying to do something with the other child, and other kids are coming at you with, hey, mom, or screaming in your face, and you have no tactics or no tricks up your sleeve, and you're looking at your partner that is sitting there going, I want to help you, like I'm here to help you, but I can't do anything. No one wants me to do anything. It's heartbreaking for everyone. So I guess what totally. we're asking, we have spoken briefly <laughs> in, this, in this first bit, but what is parental preference? So
2: I guess like when you look, look at it and you break it down. Parental preference is when a child tends to gravitate towards or request one parent more frequently over another. So it can be a really shitty time because for both parents, for the parent that is getting that parental preference and the one that's feeling a little bit rejected because one is always feeling touched out and overwhelmed and feels like they don't get a second to themselves and the other is feeling a little bit abandoned and maybe even a little bit unloved. So there is no real winner and and the dynamic can really cause tension for the whole family because it does affect the family dynamic and it does affect every relationship within the family, whether it then be, you know, the, the relationship between the two parents, the relationship between siblings, the relationship between other children and the parents and that sort of thing. But I think it's really really important to remember that parental preference doesn't equal parental love. So if a child prefers one parent, it doesn't mean that they love that parent more. Favoritism doesn't mean that that preferred parent is more loved. And it also doesn't mean that they're a better parent. So there's There's so many factors that come into play when a child, you know, makes a decision that they have a favorite parent. Sometimes it comes down to interest. Other times it comes down to, you know, whether one they can know they can get away with a little bit more with one parent. Other times mm. it comes down to who's been around and the routines. There's so many things that come into play. So I think it's just really important to remember that, yeah, parental preference just doesn't equal love. Like there, there's no, nine times out of 10, is no difference between the love that a child has for either parent just because they gravitate towards one a little bit more.
0: So I guess, as you've said, it can happen. F- for a multitude of reasons, but why is it that sometimes it's, you know, the more, I guess, hands-on isn't the right word, but the like, you know, the primary caregiver. And then sometimes it's the one that's not there as much. Like, is it that they feel safer? Is it that they have more fun? Like what leads to it?
2: So sometimes it can be, you know, every every family's situation is going to be different. And sometimes kids will gravitate towards the parent that isn't around as often, that does work a little bit more because they want to be around that fun parent. That parent may not need to implement all the rules, and they may be a bit of a, no- a novelty. And other times, they may want to gravitate towards the parent that is a bit more consistent and they know what to expect, and it is a bit more predictable. It really comes down to, you know, each child's kind of personality. But I think the most important thing is that. Parental preference, and I guess you saw this in your own poll that you did, and and when you asked for questions, it's so normal and it's so common. My Mm. oldest son, who is now three, definitely gravitates more towards my husband. And Sophie, I think it's a bit of a similar situation to you in that I, I had hyperemesis in my pregnancy. I have a five month old and, you know, for nine months, I was a bit of a, a sloth and, and my husband did take over and my husband is fun and he does take him surfing and, and that sort of thing. And, and sometimes I think it can come down to you as, as one parent can do everything. Like I always use this example of like, I always try and plan like all these fun things. I take my kid on play dates. We go to the museums, to the water parks, whatever. My husband took Luca on a bus trip to the city on like a state bus and Luca came home and was like that was the best day of my whole life and I was like are you kidding me like you're so annoying
0: (laughs) you're like let me just rip my heart out and stomp on it I was like
2: sick okay cool like yeah no worries we just went to Egypt but no the bus trip was the best day of your life no worries got it so (laughs) it comes down to just like children and sometimes it can make me personally feel like I failed as a mum and even when you're the chosen parent or not it's just important to remember that both parents are in that journey together and even though it can feel you know for one parent they can feel really really helpless as well it's not going to be that way forever and just because your child wants your partner to do bedtime routine it doesn't mean that they don't love you or they don't need you they just need you in different ways and I also really like to reframe it and sometimes it's helpful and sometimes it's not but I I like to reframe it is in that like my child feels so comfortable in their relationship with me that they know I'm going to be there regardless of whether they're asking for me right now or not. And I think it's really important to look at it that way. And Jade, even like the examples you gave with your kids and your husband, the same thing, like he's so predictable and he's so consistent that they know, even though they don't want him right now, they know he's there and they know that if they ever need him, he's going to be there for them. Mm.
0: Do you find that it does often tend to be after a big life event? Like we had so many people writing in saying that they shared that experience that you and I have had, Emily, that it's, um, you know, I've just had another baby and all of a sudden I'm just chopped liver to my toddler. Do you find that's quite common or sometimes is it just a from birth thing?
2: Sometimes it can be from birth, but I do find that often there is like a little bit of a trigger sometimes, I guess, for lack of a better word. There's just not much you can do because at the end of the day, when it, when it is a situation where you're bringing a new baby home, that newborn is just so dependent on you. And yes, you can organize that one-on-one time. And I definitely try to do that and, you know, having that time with the baby away, but it's going to happen. I think it's only normal that your, your child is going to see you devoting all, literally every last drop of energy you have to this new baby and going, what the hell, like that was me. Whether it's your second child, third child, fourth child, it's always going to be an adjustment. I like to do a few things like if my youngest cries, I might, instead of like jumping up right away, I really tried to be like, just a second, Elliot, I'm just with your older brother right now. He really needs me. Mm. I'll be there when I can and not jumping up straight away just so that it didn't always look like I was dropping everything to run to the baby. But honestly, when a baby is born, kind of all bets are off and parental preference will be really big there, but it's not going to Be forever.
1: See, I feel like for me, I had postnatal depression with my third child mm. and there was, on my side, a real hesitance and it took a while to get that connection with her, obviously, because of, you know, my mental health. And my husband really picked up the slack. He did a hell of a lot during that time and then he continued that on, I think realising how hard it is actually being that stay-at-home mm-hmm. parent. But um, it didn't change the fact that everyone sticks to me like a magnet and like I love it like I'm really really appreciative and I I actually do like I feel for Sophie and I feel for my husband because it's not like they don't want to have that that child running up to them that's not that they're, they're desperate for them and they're desperate for that to happen whereas I just feel like I'm so touched out every single day I'm like, can can at least one of you? And, and then I do think, is it gender? Is it gender that's doing this? That because they all think that I'm fun because I'm putting makeup on, or I'm I'm always the one just never sitting down, and I'm always accessible. Is that what it is? But I really can't work out why it happens and why they can't because as soon as you ask dad he'll do it Mm. like I'll say hey go ask dad and he's like yeah for sure but he's never the one that they'll go straight to Mm. and I think as well like you can kind of drive yourself
2: crazy trying to come up with like the reason why right because you could be like or oh, maybe it is but then like so if I'm sure you do the makeup and you do the dressing up and, and then you've got a little girl that wants mm. to go mm. towards that so every situation in every family is just going to be so different and I don't think there's like any usefulness trying to figure out like why is this happening because it it's going yeah. to change. Like, what did yeah, I do wrong? Exactly, mm. and saying trying to think of the why kind of insinuates that someone has done something wrong, and more often than not, no That's one's true. done anything wrong. It's just the way that kid the kids are. It's just the. The phase of life that they're going through. And it's kind of like, you know, when you've got a newborn and everyone's like, Oh, just you wait. You'll, you'll miss them being this small. And in that moment, you're like, fuck off. That is so unhelpful right now. Like, (laughs) I just need this baby to sleep and leave my boobs alone. Like, you know what I mean? It's kind of like that advice. And it feels really stupid to say, but it is one of those things where it's not going to be like that forever. And you are going to look back and be like, Oh my God. Like that was a really tough time for me when they, they didn't gravitate towards me or that was a really tough time when they wouldn't leave me alone. But wow, look where we are now.
0: I know. And I feel like when I when I say that, oh, Goldie never wants me to do bedtime with her, I guess sometimes people who maybe are the preferred parent. And it's funny because I'm definitely Poppy's preferred Mm. parent, but she's much more diplomatic. She'll, you know, go to whoever, but you know, it's it's less obvious. Mm. And people will be like, oh boo-hoo, your child doesn't (laughs) want you to do bedtime. What a shame. Nick has to do it all the time. And I'm like, no, like it's you want what you can't have. And you know, obviously I still try really hard to do it, but I feel like I go in to it with this sense of kind of dread all the time and I think another thing that I find really confusing is Goldie's a very like affectionate tactile like Mm. she has to get really comfortable like you know you go to a party and she'll be like on you until she's comfortable with the surroundings comfortable with who's there you know she's that classic child that when it's time to leave she's started to have fun and you're like we've been here for two and a half hours you could have been enjoying this for a really long time (laughs) yeah but when he's not there I, I'm the bee's niece. and yeah. I'm like why can't you remember that I can do all these things and fulfill all your wants even when he is there? Do you find that when that, that you really true there yet. they're
1: fine with Harry? And I will say that as well so when I am not there and he takes them like he he's the one that takes them to the movies and on water slides and goes above and beyond I don't do that because I'm the one you know working or I'm doing different things and I just don't like I'm like I'm, I'm not going to do that. I'll I'll go and get food in the supermarket, but that's as far as we go <laughs> until we're doing a family activity. And I just feel like when he does have them, they are better behaved. They are so happy. He's giving all the time in the world. And for me because I'm on all the time and everyone's at me saying mum mum mum, I'm really short. Like I I've got a short fuse. It's it's not a really like I want to spend so much time with you. And please don't get me wrong. I absolutely do want to spend totally. time with my kids. But when you do have everyone wanting every ounce of you, it just gets really exhausting mm. and you don't know where to put your energy like you're almost like if you
0: zoom out from your own situation you're like why do you want to spend all this time I with me? <laughs> he's way more fun,
2: he's more fun. Yeah. I just don't get it 100% yeah I, no I totally get it and it's it's draining because not only Jade you've got three kids so you're trying to give your attention to them, then you've got a husband and then yourself, you know, you've got to have enough energy to do things for yourself and for work and for self-care and all of that sort of thing. I think in going back to that question about like when your husband's not there, Sophie and, and Goldie's totally fine with you. I, I, you could be describing my little one. Literally, and they're about the same age. Yeah. I think it's just harder to want something you can't see, quite frankly. It's like if you yeah. put a cookie in front of a child, they weren't thinking about cookies. But now that they've seen the cookie, it's all they want. It's, yeah. it's kind of a very similar situation. Yeah. Very similar with us. Like if my husband's not there, oh, my God, like you wouldn't, you wouldn't know that he's the preferred parent. Luke is yeah. all over me and and that's totally fine. I, it can just be really heartbreaking when you're the not preferred parent, like if, if they fall over and you're like, come, I've got you. And he's like,
0: I want my dad. Mm. And you're
2: like, okay, I'm just going to go cry in the corner. That's so yeah. fine.
0: Like Nick will literally be holding Pearl and she'll be like, dad. Ah! And I'm like, he's... Like, you know, she falls over or whatever. And I'm like, I'm right (laughs) here, standing here, doing nothing. Like I have both (laughs) arms to hug you. And it's, you don't, you're just like,
1: come on, I'm available. Is there a thing, like I can see it in a circumstance we have with my tween, almost teenager, she's 10. And at the moment she has zero parental preference as in I don't want either of you <laughs> and
0: she'd prefer to have new yeah. yeah
1: and she's currently up she's spent like school holidays with her auntie now she's moved on to her Mimi That's and papa so and I love that but I feel like that is the time where I can really relate with what you guys are saying in terms of hey, they don't want me like when they don't want you, then you feel like, what have I done? And that is that immediate thing going, well, now I feel like I need to try harder Mm. because I want you to want me. Yeah. It's so true. And
2: like, then you start to overcompensate and then it's like, Paul, what point now is my kid just taking advantage of the fact that I'm overcompensating? (laughs) You know what I mean? Like we've had 16 Mm. chocolate bars and it's 9am sort of thing. So I think it's a matter of going like a lot of the time, for me as well, when I reflect on it, I'm like, this is a me problem. Like this is a problem for me. It's actually not a problem for them. Mm. They know they've got two parents that love them. And right now they want to go to that one they're not going, I want to go to my dad because I love him more. They're going, I want to go to my dad because that's who I feel like right now. That's who I want right now. It doesn't mean my mum's shit. It doesn't mean my mum's done something wrong. It doesn't mean my mum's an awful parent. It doesn't mean my mum doesn't love me. It's just dad's the one I want right now. And I think Sophie, you're in a situation where you've got one that you know, wants dad, but one that, you know, does gravitate a little bit more towards you and your oldest that you can see, like, if you were doing something majorly wrong, neither of your kids would want you in that regard. So you're not doing anything wrong. Right.
0: Yeah. But I find that it does, as you said, it does have an impact on your parenting. Yeah. Cause even last night, for example, I did bedtime and Goldie was kicking off because she wanted Nick to do mm. bedtime. And, she was doing some things that were like pushing the boundaries. And I almost had this second guess of like, do I tell her that's not okay or do I let her just get away with it because I don't like it? I, and in my mind, it said, because I don't want her to yeah. hate me more. And then, of course, I'm sitting here now. I'm like, none of it has to do with hate. But I feel like if Poppy was doing that, I would have no hesitation mm. in being like, Poppy, that's not acceptable right now. It's bedtime, get into bed. But with Goldie, I was kind of like, oh, do I let her just get away with a little bit of so that she thinks I'm, <laughs> so fun I'm the perfect parent
2: and she wants me? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Like, I not- am cool <laughs> auntie no. or or in the same breath because I am Poppy's preferred and we have very similar personalities and Goldie is Nick's preferred I do think that we fell into this trap of when we were doing one on one time I would often or like you know if I was going to the shops Poppy would be like, oh, I'll just come with you. And I'd be like, yeah, sweet. Come with me. And I'd be like, I know that's easy because she kind of like does what I say. And it would happen that there was this bit of a like divide where if we were taking one each, it was easiest for me to take Poppy and Nick to take Goldie. But do you think it's best to try and a little bit work against it and make sure there is one-on-one time with the opposite one? Yeah, that's a really good question. So, yes,
2: I do think it is that one-on-one time can be really, really awesome. Don't expect it to, like, cure everything and and, and make yeah. everything perfect. But I do think that one-on-one time, if you've got the capacity and the supports to do it, 100%, mm. I think it's a really, really awesome thing. Back to your point about, like, the boundaries and, like, not wanting to – Come across as the party pooper, I actually would put in place those boundaries because I think sometimes Mm. when kids are pushing the boundaries, they're trying to suss out where the boundary is. Does that make sense? Mm. So they're going, Oh, how far can I push this? Or where is the limit? And then Mm. they know for next time, you know, (laughs) the level they can go to. When it comes to this sort of stuff, again, it's really, really important. And and it sounds like it is a problem for all three of us, but it is only a problem if it's a problem for you. <laughs> so you don't yeah. have to, don't, if you're listening to this and you're like, my child has a parental preference, but it's actually not a real problem for us right now. But now I'm freaking out. Should we be doing something? You don't have to do anything about it. Mm. I'm not saying ignore <laughs> ignore your child and always give them to your partner, but It's only a problem if it is a problem for you. There is no rule that says you have to intervene. But if it is taking a toll on the family dynamic, yes, put in place some gentle boundaries about who does bed, bath and dinner, who does school drop off, who read the books. You can schedule some of that one-on-one time to have to kind of like reestablish that bond, but it doesn't have to be black and white. So for example, if your partner has to be the one, that does bedtime because your toddler insists on it. Start by changing it slightly. Maybe you read the book and then mm. your partner comes in and closes the deal. You mm. know what I mean? It doesn't have to be like, no, mum's doing the whole bedtime routine now because that's the new rule. Um, you know, try and think mm. of a way that maybe it involves both of you. It doesn't have to be one or the other. It just comes down to like what works best for you guys as a family and what you guys as a family are comfortable with. But maybe you could come up with something that's a little bit new or novel as well. So like still have your boundaries in place, but maybe there is like a pre-bedtime dance you can do where you put some music on and you have a little jam yeah. session just to make that your special thing. And that's not something dad's allowed to do because that's a you and Mum, you know, special thing when Mum does bedtime, yeah. you know, something like that. But I think it's also important to remember about like, think about how you're connecting with kids and make sure that you're approaching connection in a way that's they actually want to receive it so for example what's their love language like if it's physical touch taking them to the shops and buying them an ice cream that that might be a really fun activity but that may not be a way that they're actually seeking a connection maybe just sitting on the couch watching a movie and having a back tickle hmm. was all they needed so sometimes it's about going back to basics and being like and like you said so if like it's it's very easy to overcompensate because you're so desperate to be like love me I'm I'm here (laughs) to
0: watch as much tv as you want but then they get
2: to the end of the day and none of that's really mattered to them so I think it's a matter of going like how do they perceive connection and how can I meet them there in a really fun way it doesn't need to be buying something like I said it can be like maybe we're going to make a fort and read our bedtime book in a fort, or maybe I'm just going to take over one book and dad's going to come in and dad's having a shower. So I'm going to read one book and then he's going to come in and read the other book and put you to bed. It Mm. can, it doesn't have to be like black and white.
1: So for example, last night, like I'm the preferred parent and this is where the downside is of being the preferred parent. I can help out when they ask. I can, you know, feel loved when they love me. But when my child's having a tantrum or she doesn't get her own way, at the moment she feels like she can punch me and she can kick me. And I don't know what's going on at the moment, but there is a lot of emotional regulation that's not happening and she doesn't know what to do with all her outbursts. But all I get in return while I'm sitting here trying to hug her or trying to work out what what's going on is punches to the stomach and the chest and literally her screaming at my face. And when it happens once and it's a random event or it's a random time, then it's like, oh, that's fine. I can, I can do that. But when there's so many elements and there's other kids that you've got to tend for and, and that happens six times in a day, it gets to a point where you go, like I know that you want me. Even if you want me, you're treating me like shit. Yeah. And I get it, she's a kid. But I'm not getting that, that break. And and when, when you say, I'll oh, get the dad to read the book, on the flip side of where I'm at as the preferred parent, he reads all the books at night. They lay on mm. the couch together. They're all doing that. It's all, it's like almost he gets the perks. He gets the fun stuff. He gets to do all these things because he has the time and they will happily do that with him. Whereas Mm. for me, it's mum, you're going to get a punch to the face if you don't listen to me. Mum, you need to do and find my hairbrush. Mum, you need to. Yeah. And I don't want it like that. Dad, you're not going to make it as good as mum. So mum, you get off the couch and you do it. And it just gets to a point where I'm like, how come I can't be the non-preferred parent (laughs) like that's that's where I'm at and I really do see both sides or at least if you're the preferred parent you're like let me have the benefits not just the tantrums
2: yeah for sure and it sounds like you've just become a bit of like the punching bag parent which I think oh I am yeah sucks because it's like again it's the same thing it's like it's. it doesn't help to hear that they're really safe and they feel really calm with you. So mm. that's why they beat you up. Like you're like, yeah, you'd be lucky me. Yeah, sweet. Sort of <laughs> like, yeah, what an honor. But yeah, it's, it's so frustrating. <laughs> I think when it comes to like a big tantrum or a big meltdown in that regard, separate to kind of even being the preferred parent, just in general, once a tantrum or a meltdown has started, there's very little that you can do to kind of reason with a child or bring it back. You just have to kind of like ride it out Mm. and deal with it after the fact in the hope that next time it's not as bad. So obviously when there's like a safety issue, when there's punching or hitting, keeping you as safe as possible and even like holding down hands as much as you can. But having that conversation later when they're calm and they're in a space to actually hear it and go, I know you need me and I'm here to help you, but your hands are not for hitting and you cannot hit me. And if she continues to do that, that's when maybe you have to go, I can't do this right now I like I don't have the mental capacity to do this right now your dad's going to have to take over and physically handing her over but having that conversation with her going hands are not for hitting it's not okay for Mm. you to hit me you can do this with your hands and sometimes showing some different alternatives that you can touch my face you can hold my face you can squeeze my Mm -hmm. hands you can punch the pillow but your hands are not for hitting me and just being really firm about that boundary and kind of putting boundaries in place that way. At four, it's so hard because they're going through this stage where like they're kids, they're not toddlers anymore, but they don't know how to handle Mm. all those big emotions that come with being a kid. They haven't learned to do that yet. And I think our society kind of, we have this like expectation that by five, they're like ready to raise themselves and it's just not feasible. It's not true. And I actually don't know where that came from. So yeah, Jade, it's so hard. And I, I don't envy you. It it can be really, really tricky to be the preferred quote unquote safe parent, because you do end up being the punching bag and you don't get to reap the benefits. You just cop all the shitty stuff.
0: When you were talking about those strategies earlier, I really agree with the kind of graded approach. We did that because if I just tried to do bedtime Mm. out of the blue, it would just end up with her so upset and me so upset. If if Nick wasn't home, it was fine. Mm. But, um, But I did find that for a while we lay down together and then we were kind of like, oh my gosh, we can't both lay down and do bedtime every single night because this is just ridiculous. (laughs) And, um, and then we did that kind of, I did the books and the wind down and then Nick would do the actual lying down. And now we've started doing it that it's like me one night, Nick one night. So even though she might not like it, she kind of knows what's coming. Mm. And another thing that I think probably is in line with what you were saying about definitely set the boundaries because they're seeing how far they can push you. I've found that when she knows it has has upset me like there has been a time where she was like screaming like go back into your bed I went daddy and I cried mm. and that made her play up more Mm. whereas the times that I've just stayed really calm and I've said to her no matter what you say to me I will always love you Mm. and I just repeat that over and over again and she gets to the point where she's like well this is boring because (laughs) and she's not a malicious child but she just gets to the point where she's like this is boring it's not having the desired outcome yeah Yeah, like okay this this bitch just gonna love me (laughs) like I'll just lay down and go to sleep with her are there any other strategies if we I guess you said if it's not a problem don't fix it So if we see a preference developing, should we do something or is it just like a natural thing that you should let happen? And then if it's a problem, then do something about it.
2: Yeah, good question. I think that if you see that it's kind of happening and you're like nervous about where it may go or maybe for like your family dynamic, it's not feasible for one parent to have to do bedtime. Like, I don't know, maybe dad's flying fly out and can only do it one week every three weeks, whatever. Mm. It's definitely something that you can kind of get in early and go like, okay, well, we're doing one, one night kind of each. And that's definitely something that we... Before I felt pregnant with my youngest, that's what we were doing because I could see that Luca wanted my husband every single night and I would get really worried because there were some nights that my husband worked at night and I'm like, oh, my God, well, what – is going to happen when he's not here. So we were doing one night on one night off and that was really helpful. And then I felt pregnant, everything flew out the window. And now my husband's the only one. That can <laughs> everything. Um, but yeah, that so there, you, yeah, good times. So yeah, you can dive in early. You can do some one-on-one time. And sometimes it's about doing that one-on-one time, but also going like, hey, like labeling that for them. I really had a good time with you today. I really like spending some one-on-one time with you today. Yeah. It made my heart feel really full. Like, really driving it home with some of those words but when it comes to parental preference in general it's really important like you said Sophie of keeping your own emotions in check because often this is an us problem and not a them problem and I know that is so much easier said than done like I said guys like I've been there I'm in the thick of it now but do not take the it a to a heart. It problem. D- yeah. yeah okay, so it's a, it's a them problem, not an us problem. Fair. You know what? Whatever way you want to look at it, fine. It's a your yeah. problem. This is all your fault. Yeah. But going like, it's not a reflection of your parenting. It's nothing yeah. that you have done. And toddlers can tell when they've got a reaction out of you, and like not like you said, yeah. And same thing. It's not about them being like malicious and and that sort of thing. It's just about going like sometimes they they see the reaction and then it's like, oh, okay, that's, that's where I can push it. Wonder how far I can push it tomorrow sort of thing. So it's just remaining as neutral as possible. We don't want them to think that they're hurting our feelings as well, because on the flip side, we don't want them to feel responsible for our feelings. Like we are responsible, everyone is responsible Mm. for their own feelings. So we don't want them to go like, oh, okay. Like, my mum doesn't really like me because I did that or I I made mm-hmm. my mum really angry or I've made my mum sad because I didn't show her enough love or whatever it may be. We don't want them to have kind of that on their shoulders, but also focus on building the connections. Like I said, like maybe it's a pre Bedtime dance, or maybe there's a special thing once a week that you guys do, and it's just a you thing. And I don't know, maybe it's like just you and Goldie going and getting an ice cream together or something, and it's just a special thing that you guys do, and dad's not allowed to do that because that's a mum thing, um, something like Mm. that. But in the moment as well, and again, a lot easier said than done, but just try and respond with so much empathy because there will be times when your child wants that preferred parent and it's just not possible because they may be away or whatever they may be working they may be sick and when that happens it's just really important to respond with as much empathy as as you can while also keeping that boundary. So you might say something like, I know you really wish daddy was here and you really wish he could put you to bed because you love it when he does. And I I love it too. He's so good at reading books, isn't he? He puts on all the funny voices, but he's at work so mummy's going to help you tonight. And I know that's not what you want. And I know that's really hard and you miss him. You know what? I miss him too. I kind of wish he was here doing bedtime. So even if your child is upset by that, you know, situation or by that boundary or whatever, you can still respond with empathy and just hold really firm.
0: I love that about the pre-bed dance or whatever or, or making it your thing because mm. I think sometimes I go into it going, okay, if I replicate it exactly how Nick yes. does yes. it, she'll be happy. And obviously that's never going to be possible. She's like, and the yeah, only she stole reason- his mm. vibe, yeah, and the only reason she likes it like that is that is <laughs> because what she got used to. And so I feel yeah, like sometimes exactly. she tells me off because she's like, that's not how it's done. But if I just did it my <laughs> own way, there's only one way yeah. to do You're that. You're cool. Come up with your own. I I can be cool
2: too. Yeah. 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 And even like, it doesn't have to be anything like crazy. Like it can be like, Luca thinks it's so funny when I like replace words in one of his favorite books with fart, Mm. just the word (laughs) fart. Like, then that's my thing. And I'm like to my husband, you're not allowed to do it. You have surfing, yeah. you have, yeah, you steal hiking, my material. You, have all no, the my material. And you leave the <laughs> fart jokes to me, sort of thing. So <laughs> it, it doesn't have to be something crazy. It can just be something that, like, they know is something that you do and you're doing it for their benefit, you know?
1: What can you say to older kids that have that parental preference to get them to understand that, you know, it's important to include the other parents? So say, for example, my kids are always asking me to do something and they're like, just at me, at me, at me. I try to tell the nine and 10 year old, hey, it'd be really nice if you could probably include dad or ask dad if you can do something like have a swim in the pool, because nine times out of 10, he will absolutely say yes. And he gets so chuffed when they say, oh, you know, yeah, absolutely I can do that for you, Bill, or absolutely I can go and get you this. And I just feel like like, is it okay or I'm asking is it okay for us to encourage that when they, they can get to an age where they understand what we're saying? Yeah, I think it's totally fine to encourage it. I think it's the way we go about it. Like
2: maybe it's not always like, oh, like go ask him because he would really like it. Maybe you can change the wording a little bit to like, Oh, you know what? Swimming's a really good idea. Thanks for asking. You know who's really good at doing the backflip off the, the balcony? Dad. Let's oh, see, he can oh, or whatever it may be like or like you know who's really good at bombs dad i i he's been working on one and it's so good you know something like that so it's not always like oh let's try and include dad as well it's like pointing out like a charity case that, yeah. yeah 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 do you know yeah. you who's really like, good at bedtime dad do you know <laughs> yeah. who's really good at
1: doing the dishes dad do you know who's really good at freaking everything dad no dad, i do not. go ask that, him yeah. i'm out <laughs> Yeah,
2: exactly but you don't want it to become this thing where they feel like they have to just include dad because we all feel sorry for him it should be like dad's got some really good qualities too let's build on those like what else what can we yeah. do or like if they ask you to do something like there are certain things that luca asks my husband to do that he is just really shit at and he'll go that's a, that's yeah. something mum's really good at go ask mum and Luca will run to me or if the same thing like he'll ask me to build this like ridiculous thing with magnetiles, tiles and I'm like your dad's a builder go ask dad, like that's a yeah. dad problem. Yeah, yeah. So, and yeah, then he'll yeah, say yeah. to me next time, he's like, mum, this is a dad problem. I'm going to go get dad. And I'm like, <laughs> you'll your lesson. Go, <laughs> go get him.
0: <laughs> Fabulous. When we were talking about that example before, I guess, and it is so common in that newborn phase that uh, you and I were agreeing that, you know, maybe in our situation where the dad is the preferred parent, when he's holding Pearl, for example, and Goldie falls over and she's upset, How much of that should we force, like, no, dad's not free, come and hug me? Mm.
1: Because
0: I guess, like, they do have to realise they have to exist within a family Mm. that you know everyone in the family has different needs but obviously I don't want to force affection if she doesn't want to hug me in that moment but should Nick just drop everything and pass me Pearl and pick Mm. her up like where do you Mm. kind of draw the line between okay like you know you have needs that we'd like to meet but you also do have to function in this family, In this family.
2: That's a good yeah point. that's a really good point I think for me if there is a parent there that can help then I wouldn't be throwing <laughs> the baby onto the couch to to be the, you know, the parent that goes out. I'd, I'd be like, no, 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 there's another adult here that can help in this situation. And sometimes yeah. it's about going like a bit out of sight, out of mind. So for us, what we do if that happens is uh, like Lucas really into band-aids. Like he like grazes past something and desperately needs a band-aid. So if Josh is oh, holding yeah. our youngest and he really wants him and I'll say, you know what, I can see that you've really hurt yourself and you really want daddy but daddy's holding the baby. Dad, can you please go get a band-aid I'm going to make sure Luke is okay so Josh goes up and gets the band-aid and he's out of sight for a little Mm. bit I can do a once over and make sure that we actually haven't hurt ourselves like we have our little moment Mm. and then dad comes in with the band-aid and I put the band-aid on sort of thing so we kind of do it that way so it's not like Dad's like again throwing the baby to hold you, but also going, yeah, yeah. Like, I'm here and and I'm going to mm. triage you, and Dad will get the bandaid and yeah. and and then that gives him a chance to kind of settle before we then figure yeah. out what our next step is.
0: We had quite a common message come in, and it was from Mum saying that they're the preferred parent, and because of that, their partner has just kind of thrown their hands up given up a bit which I which I do understand sometimes you just get to the point where you're like Mm. path of least resistance it's just easier if you do it but that can obviously I guess as Jade you've said lead to burnout and just being over the whole thing what can we do if our partner has kind of given up and just thought well it's just easier if you do it but you're at the point where you're like I can't keep going on like this
2: Mm, Yeah, and like it's so hard because you see it from both perspectives, right? Like you see why the preferred Mm. parent would be so frustrated and you see why the other parent has given up a little bit. Mm. I think that's a matter of going like when the kids aren't around and you're able to have a bit more of an adult conversation, just going like this is where I'm at and even though it looks like they're all I need. They need both of us and they need both of us because I'm burning out. And this is maybe, can we come up with a couple of ideas where we can bring you in to lessen that load on me a little bit? And maybe that's where you guys can discuss like, okay, maybe it is you read a book and then I come in, or maybe it is, you know, the the one-on-one time or whatever, and, and have that discussion. And as a family, come up with a couple of ideas that will work for you guys And and really make those needs clear to your partner. Because I think any kind yeah. of relationship is only going to work if both of you guys are on the same page.
0: Yeah. Cause I feel like I used to hear about it and I'd be like, that's a cop out. Like, you know, mm. if it's a dad in the family, they should just like do more. And now the shoe's on the other foot. And I've felt what it's like to mm. be the non-preferred parent for one of my kids. I'm like, I get how you can get to that point where you're just like, well, nothing Mm. I do is right. So I give up a bit in times. Yeah. So I, yeah, I definitely do see it from both sides.
2: Totally. It's kind of like you have a newborn all over again. And like, if you're breastfeeding, there's not much your partner can do, right? They can Mm. give you the baby and then you have to be the one to do all the work And, and they do feel helpless in those moments. And I think it's also important if you're the preferred parent to go like, wow, that must feel really shit for them as well. And keep that in mind that they're, they're probably withdrawing a little bit because they feel a bit abandoned or they feel a bit unloved. And, and sometimes it's about having that space to go like, hey, this is how I'm feeling. But I can imagine this is really hard for you as well. Can you let me know what's on your mind? Because Mm. Like let's figure this out together and sometimes it's just as simple as like sitting down and having a conversation without the kids around to go like we're both feeling huge things albeit differently but we're both feeling big things about this situation and we need to come up with a plan together.
1: I think what the most beautiful thing about this whole conversation is how much the parents care, no matter what preference (laughs) it is. Like, Mm. you know, the one that's not getting all the love or the one that is getting too much love, we we really do care. And what you said at the start is they aren't preferencing this because they love one of you more. It is just what it is. And obviously as mm. they grow, that will potentially change.
0: And I love that we default to that. What have I done wrong? Mm. What can I do differently? But as you said there, you know, we we have friends that we preference. We have, you know, we may have our own parents that we preference and it's not necessarily because of what the other one did. It's just, you might have shared interests. You may Mm -hmm. just align with them more on certain things. Like I just, Mm. yeah, it's so funny that as a parent, we act like something is so specific just to parenthood when really everyone has preferences for things in everything they do, but we automatically go, it's something I've done as yeah. a parent.
2: A hundred percent. And that's it. It's we're so quick to just blame ourselves for everything, especially in that mum role, because like, that's what society does. Society, like your kids should want you if you're the mum. And yeah. if they don't, well, my God, what have you done? You know, like, what have you done to those poor kids? But like I gave this example recently on Instagram. So it was like we we just came back from Hawaii, and my little one, who is like my angel baby, angel sleeper, bless his soul was just a fucking nightmare when we were over there he was like so annoying I was like bouncing him around Waikiki at 4am in the carrier like a crazy person with the crack addicts trying to get him to sleep and no one once was like wow you're such a good mum my husband mm. took our oldest for coffee at 8am and like three different people were like what an amazing father and I'm like are you kidding me
0: like, uh, <laughs> like I know so I vent about this all the time <laughs> uh, it's so
2: annoying and it's Like our, that's often why we're so quick to blame ourselves and judge ourselves. It's because that's all that's done to us. We're always blamed and we're always judged for everything that goes on. But I think it's a matter of us like taking that power back a little bit and going like in this situation, I can say with full confidence that I love my kid and I've given them absolutely everything that I've got. The fact that they want the other parent is okay because I know I've done everything I can do that. That parent hasn't done anything more than what I've done. We've both given our all Mm. here.
0: So what have we learned
2: today, ladies?
0: Well, I think (laughs) I kind of came into this being like I'm going to come away and I'm going to like do, do, do. Yeah. But I think a lot Mm. of it is acceptance Mm. and knowing it's normal and it's not because I haven't done anything. And to continue trying, like it's Mm. not, you know, I don't want to throw my hands up and give up. And I think just trusting in the way that I parent rather than to her trying to replicate the way that Nick parents because that's not – like, yeah, so just trusting in the way that I do it and we can have our own things even if he continues to be her number one go-to.
1: Yeah. And I've learnt that I'm really going to tell um, the kids that Dad's good at absolutely everything. Yeah. <laughs> and Harry all of a sudden <laughs> has become
0: the most skilled oh, and yeah. He is On the just... <laughs> planet. You just wait.
1: <laughs> That's amazing. What a man. Wait for him to be so good at High washing. Work,
0: amazing. <laughs> yeah. Washing, Incredible. fabulous. We're not encouraging jumping off the balcony into the pool, though. <laughs> Yeah, what, he's already broken
2: that's it I think it's a matter of like pure acceptance and going like yes. this is okay it's nothing I've done there yes there are little things you can do yes make it your own no don't try and compete with the other parent and yes it's going to be okay
0: I think also you as a child psychologist admitting mm. that your child prefers your husband oh and that's 100%. fine but that has also 100%. made me feel like you have all the tools in your yeah. toolkit and they're just little people
1: that are allowed to yeah. have their preferences
0: exactly 100 percent. and
1: i also just want to say for the people that are the preferred parent i think it's so important to be to remind yourself that you're allowed to have boundaries with your little people and if you do get overwhelmed and you're at home all day and you've like you're at the end of your tether pop yourself in another room for like five yes. minutes and just have a break or a breather. And I find that just walking outside I can g- g- gain some clarity and then walk back in. So I feel like, you know, sometimes I wasn't really good at it when I had two of them, but now I actually have no choice than to make boundaries mm. because if I don't, then I will literally be insane. you fall And apart. I'm very close yeah, yeah. to it.
0: I'm not <laughs> laughing, exactly, funny. I'm not laughing. <laughs> <laughs> <'Cause> it's funny Because it's kind of like
1: well that's a different psychologist episode isn't it yeah yeah yeah. she stops her adolescence
0: all right
2: yeah you're too old yeah thank you so
0: much for joining us today emily it's always a blast to chat with you and yeah
1: thank you so much thanks thanks for listening to this episode of beyond the bump if you enjoyed it please subscribe and give us a review if you didn't good on you